You know, I saw a couple of days ago some data that has been revealed that the number of Google searches for things like Jesus and Christianity and faith and prayer has skyrocketed in the days since this pandemic began. And it seems that during this time of uncertainty and fear, many people are considering what type of hope, if any, does Jesus or Christianity have to offer? And I know also that there have been many people that have logged on to our online services um, over the last several weeks from all sorts of places, people that weren't previously connected to our church. And I'm not exactly who, sure who those people are. If that's you, then I'm not exactly sure what has brought you to our little corner of the internet. But if you are considering what Jesus has to offer, if that's you, then I want to share with you a story today about the type of hope that I believe is possible and the type of forgiveness that I believe is possible through Jesus Christ. And I hope to share with you today the message of Christianity, of what we believe and what we hope in. So I want us to look at a story from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. It says, And a great crowd followed Jesus. We're in verse 24. It says, And a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. <clears throat> and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So we're introduced at the, this part of the story to a woman who had, quote, a discharge of blood. Now, I'm not going to go into detail of what this meant, uh, but I can sum it up this way. This is a woman who is in great pain. This is a woman who is likely unable to have children. This is a, a woman who the text says that she was broke and had nothing to show for it. But more significantly, she would have been considered unclean and untouchable by the people in her community. See, according to Jewish law at the time, she was ceremonially unclean. She was untouchable. People feared that if they touched her or she touched them, they would become unclean. They would become unacceptable to God. And that if she touched them, they would then have to go do all these ritual cleansings to make themselves acceptable to God again. And, you know, I've always had a hard time explaining this sort of understanding of ceremonial cleanliness and ritual laws and all that sort of stuff. But I think right now, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, I believe we can understand it a little bit better in these days. Um, see, because if someone has COVID-19, you and I all know this, if someone has COVID-19 or if they've been exposed to the coronavirus, what do they do? They got a quarantine for 14, day, for 14 days. They can't go near anyone because they're unclean. And they're a risk to transmit that uncleanliness to everyone else. It is for the good of everyone around them for them to quarantine themselves. And I don't know about you, but if when I'm at the grocery store, when I kind of make my runs to go get my food and the things I need for the upcoming weeks, and I see somebody who's not wearing a mask, or when I see somebody who's not honoring social distancing, or heaven forbid, if I see somebody sneeze into the open air, I get a little annoyed, right? And I get, I get disgusted with them, and I probably you know, give them the side eye, and I back away from them because I, I, I don't want to be near them because if they have the, have they've been exposed to coronavirus, they can expose me to it. I don't want to go near them. And that's sort of what's going on with this woman. She's, she's, she's contaminated. 
She's unclean. She's ceremonially and religiously unclean. And people were afraid that if they got anywhere near her, they might touch her, that her uncleanliness might rub off on them and they would therefore be unacceptable to God. And everywhere she went, if she did go into public, she was, the scriptures say that she, was, she, she had not really been in the community for 12 years. But when she did go into public, people likely backed away from her. They looked at her with disgust. But honestly, for most of the time, she was in quarantine. And this wasn't a voluntary quarantine. This wasn't 14 days alone in her apartment. This was 12 years. I mean, we're a few weeks into, five, six weeks into our quarantines. And I think we're all going a little crazy. Can you imagine what it would be like for 12 years? And, you know, during her quarantine, the commun her community wasn't rallying around with her and celebrating her for quarantining. They were disgusted by her. They wanted nothing to do with her. 12 years she had not been touched. 12 years she had not been kissed. 12 years she had not been hugged. 12 years she had not been embraced. Can you imagine the sorrow and the pain and the loneliness of being untouchable for 12 years? Can you imagine what that would be like? 12 years without feeling human touch. This is so much more than physical sickness. She was an outcast. She was invisible. She was unlovable and she was untouchable. But verse 27 says that she had heard reports about Jesus. Yeah, I wonder where she had heard these reports. But she had heard reports of him and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Do you hear the mixture of both faith and desperation here? She's saying, if I can just clutch his robe, I can be healed. If I can just touch his clothes, I can be healed. That's both faith and desperation. And many of you may feel that today. Desperate for Jesus to heal you. And you're trying to exercise what little faith you have to call upon him in this time of your struggle. But verse 29 says that after she touched him, she that immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. This stunt that she just pulled, walking into the crowds to go touch Jesus was so illegal. I mean, we're told that there were crowds around Jesus that were thronged about him. I mean, they were covered all in on him which means that she, for her to get to Jesus's robe, meant that she was rubbing shoulders and working her way through a crowd of people. She was touching them. And you can be almost positive that as she was walking through this crowd, that they were criticizing her, that they were shaming her, that they were mocking her, that they were judging her. But she ignored the scorns and the sneers from the crowd. And she made a beeline toward Jesus. And she ignored the crowd. She ignored the religious customs and rituals and rules that had been constructed in her culture. And she went after Jesus. She touched him and she was healed. And I love this because in her culture, because she was unclean, people thought that anything she touched would become unclean. So people were so afraid that if she touched them, they would become unclean, that they would become dirty, that she could transfer her uncleanliness to them. But when she touched Jesus, she didn't become dirty. She didn't transfer her uncleanliness to him. He transferred his cleanliness, his healing 
to her. This is the way of the gospel. It's upside down from what all the rest of the world thinks that righteousness comes from. They thought she had to clean herself up and be healed before she could come to Jesus. But she came to Jesus with all of her mess and she touched him, but he didn't become unclean. She became whole and healed. See, we're so afraid of contagions, but when it, becomes, when it comes to Jesus, his holiness is what is contagious. And when we grab hold of him in faith, we are given his righteousness and his glory because he is good and he responds to our faith with grace and with mercy. But verse 30 says, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And verse 32 says, And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So here's what's happening right here. This woman was hoping that she could simply touch Jesus and be healed and be on her way. She didn't want to bother him. She didn't want to have a conversation with him. She just wanted to get the blessing that she needed and be on her way. And you know, isn't this like us sometimes? We so often just want to touch Jesus and get the blessing and receive the healing to get relief from our circumstances, to get the things we want from him and then move on. See, we're far too easily content with a touch. Maybe we're easily content with hearing sermons and songs that lift us up. We log into an online worship service, get a quick blessing and encouragement, and then we walk away with a blessing, yes, but with nothing more than a casual touch of Jesus. But Jesus wants far more than your casual touch. He wants far more than your passing devotion. He wants to know you. He wants to, he doesn't want you to be a face in the crowd who just shows up when you need something. He wants to know you. He wants, listen, the God of the universe wants a relationship with you. And yet we're so content just wanting his blessings and what he offers when what he, the greatest thing he offers is himself. Listen, I'm a father of three children whom I love more than anything in the world. And I love giving gifts to my kids. I love putting band-aids on their little wounds. I love giving them medicine when they're sick. And I love kissing their boo-boos because it brings me joy, joy to heal and to bless my children. But I receive far more joy, exceedingly far more joy by being with my kids. And so do they. So do they. The beauty of my relationship with my children is not the things I give them. It's the moments we share in relationship with one another. And this is what God wants from you, not just a touch. He doesn't just want to heal you or bless you. He wants to know you and he wants you to be known by him. This is what God offers, not just blessings, but a relationship with your creator, your heavenly father who loves you with a perfect love. Look at what he says to this woman. In verse 34, he turns and he looks at her and he says, daughter, 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 your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And you have to know that when Jesus turned her way and he said, who touched me? She was probably scared. It says in the text earlier that she was in fear. She, in fear and trembling, she bowed before him. Why? Because he was a rabbi. He was a man. He was an important 
teacher in the community, and she touched him. Like, women like her do not touch men like him in this culture. And when he, and she was probably thinking, when he turned around and looked at her, she was probably thinking, is he going to reject me like everybody else? What's he going to say? Is he going to have me arrested? Is he going to have me thrown out? He does none of those things. He calls her daughter, and he heals her. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love that the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. He calls this woman daughter. He doesn't just heal her, but he welcomes her into his family. He does far more than heal her from sickness and disease. He welcomes her into his home, into his kingdom. And so there's our story this morning. And you say, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me? And what does this story tell us about Christianity and the hope of the gospel? I believe it tells us this. It tells us that you can come as you are to Jesus and you will receive his forgiveness and his welcome. You know, there's this false notion about Christianity that many people believe. And it's this notion that in order to be a Christian, in order to come to Jesus, you have to be a certain type of person. You have to clean yourself up. You have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, vote a certain way, uh, all this, all these things. You have to change yourself to come to Jesus. And I've talked to many people in my life, many people who are moved to tears by the image of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave. But when I ask them, do you want to follow him? They'll say, yeah, and that's beautiful. And I'm glad that's good for other people, but God can never forgive me. You don't know all that I've done, they say. Or they say, you know, I'm not ready. I have some things in my life that I probably should clean up before I come to Christ. See, this notion that many people have is that you have to clean yourself up in order for God to accept you. The idea that if you want God's forgiveness, you have to meet him halfway or something. And this is exactly what the crowds thought in the story. Who is this woman touching Jesus, they thought? How dare she? She's unclean. And he's a holy man. What is she thinking? She's got to clean herself up before she can come to someone like Jesus. If she wants to come to Jesus, she needs to get healthy and clean. And, and she needs to be a stand-up person before she can enter into the temple or the synagogue and be with Jesus. But this woman with faith, even just a little bit of it, she said, you know what? Maybe if I just bring my mess to Jesus, he can do something about it. And she brought all her junk, all her uncleanliness, the things that disgusted all the religious people around her. She walked straight through their stares and their snide remarks and their religious rituals and expectations. And she went straight to the source. She went to Jesus. And Jesus did not reject her. In fact, when she touched Jesus, the crowd probably gasped. <gasps> what is she doing touching Jesus? She's unclean. He's clean. She's going to make him unclean. But the very opposite happened. She touched him and he transferred his healing to her. You see, this is how Jesus operates. You trade him your junk. You bring him your mess. You bring him all the stuff that you think is separating you from him, your sins, your shame, your guilt, your failures, your past mistakes. Those moments that you regret so much 
that you feel like just mark you and stay with you. You bring those to him and you forget what the religious people say. You forget what all the people around you say and you bring those things to him and the scriptures promise that he is always faithful and that he will trade you his perfect life. He will take all of your sin, shame, and guilt and in return, he will give you his perfect life, a life that is fully acceptable to God, a life that is deserving of adoption by God and eternity in heaven with him. And you become cleansed and healed and forgiven in that moment. Jesus takes your sin. He takes your death on the cross and he gives you his resurrection life. See, this is what happened on the cross. You're like, what is the cross? What is Jesus dying on the cross? Jesus dying on the cross is him dying the death that you deserve. He's taking your sin. He's taking your shame, your guilt, your failures, he's putting them on his back and he's being nailed to the cross with them. And then after he's crucified, he's buried into a tomb and your sin and your shame and your guilt goes into that tomb with him. But three days later, he opens, rolls the stone away. He steps out of that grave and ascends to resurrection life, but he leaves your sin and your shame and your guilt in that tomb, never more to be seen, never more to be held against you. You get his resurrection life. This is what Christians call the gospel, that you give him your junk and he gives you resurrection, a new life, a new start, a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that for God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the good news of Christianity is not about how you have to be better so that God will love you. The good news of Christianity, the good news of the gospel of Christ is that God loves you and he makes you better through his grace. Now, how do you receive this, you say? You're like, all right, well, how do I, how do I give Jesus my sin and my shame and how do I receive his forgiveness? This story tells us that you receive it by faith. It is by grace through faith that you have been saved, the scriptures say. Jesus always responds to those who come to him in faith. He will not reject you. This woman publicly showed her faith in Jesus. Even when she was mocked and even when she had to endure the shame of the crowd, she put her faith in Jesus. And she said, I don't care what everybody else around me thinks and I don't care whatever shame or mockery they throw my way. I'm going for Jesus and Jesus will not reject me. And she was healed. And this same forgiveness is available to you. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth, you publicly proclaim your faith in him, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, but with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is the good news of the gospel. We bring our unclean hearts to him and by faith he gives us his heart in return. Crossroads, let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you that we can come to you just as we are, and by your grace, you can make us clean and whole. Your word says that you made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so we thank you for that this morning, and it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen.